Takes generations to breed a telepath. And Danes breed like rabbits, supply and demand, nothing more, nothing less. The future belongs to telepaths. Well, I could drug him up again, limit his ability to scan us. Why not? Work the board. Do not thump the Book of Jaquan. It is disrespectful. Hello, and welcome to Who Are You? It's a Babylon 5 watchcast by a couple of former strangers, now friends, who are continuing to get to know each other over one of their favorite shows from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Laura. And I'm Jafer. And today I get to ask Jafer, what do you want? You still haven't answered my question, Ambassador. What do you want? Well, what do you mean, what do I want? What do you want? You really want to know what I want? You really want to know the truth? Does that answer your question? Well, right now, I'm really looking forward to some warmer weather. Yeah. Um, it was 18 here in Michigan last week uh-huh. in, in the southeast Michigan area. It happens to be warmer than that right now. It's above freezing. It was actually raining instead of snowing earlier today. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it's supposed to be 40 for a couple of days, to my understanding, of things this week. And I'm really looking forward to that because the disc golf season is upon us. Oh, I don't is know it? if I've talked about disc golf. I don't think I've maybe mentioned it maybe once or twice on pod, but I do disc golf as a hobby. I'm terrible, uh, but I enjoy <laughs> it. it. It's guided hiking. And I do follow like the professional scene. Like I'll sit down and I'll watch pro disc golf. So what is the pro disc golf season then? The pro disc golf season is going to start, I think, officially with the Las Vegas Open in like a month. And so we are in the preseason zone right now, which is when all of the pros are changing their contracts around and stuff. (laughs) They Um, have contracts. Nice. Good for them. There are at least two players with million dollar a year contracts to play disc golf. Wow. Okay. (laughs) And some of them make significantly more than that based off of disc sales. So... How pro disc golf works, there's not really teams, right? It's an individual sport, but a lot of the big disc manufacturers are sponsoring players. Makes sense. And so I have a like brand or two of disc that I tend to throw. I tend to prefer that lineup for a couple of reasons. I won't get into the minutia of it, but I throw MVP Mm -hmm. and Axiom mostly if you happen to be involved in no disc golf. Part of that is they're local for me. Uh-huh. So they're a national disc golf company that happens to be based out of around my area. And then also they do a couple different things with their disc technology that <laughs> uh, helps, I think, new players specifically, really. And then so that's kind of what I gravitated to. And then also a lot of like when I was first getting started, none of the like things about discs made sense to me. And they were uh-huh. the only manufacturer that had like a this is what it looks like when you throw it from an overhead view like chart of all of the discs and that visual representation just clicked with my brain. And so I'm like, Oh, so I want one of these and one of these and one of these for these types of shots. Right. And so I got started with them because of that. And I've just stuck with it now, but we're in that time frame where the pro disc golfers are, if they are going to change their contracts for the year, they do it before the season starts. So one of my favorite disc golfers just changed over to throwing 
the manufacturer that I throw and being sponsored by my favorite manufacturer. Oh, fantastic. So I'm like all hype up here about it. So I did my uh, preseason purchasing and I bought five discs the other day, which is like a hundred bucks. The cool thing about disc golf that you don't get in a lot of other sports is everyone at every level is using the same equipment. Yeah. Like okay. there is no like magic $500, $1,000 disc <laughs> that the pros throw <laughs> that make them better. They're yeah, throwing the yeah. same $20 pieces of plastic that everyone else is. Right. They're just better at it. Um, and then a lot of the disc golfers, the pro disc golfers income and their ability to tour comes from releasing discs with their name on it. They'll have like a two, almost every pr- sponsored player for one of the major companies has a tour disc, which is just their favorite disc with their name on it, or maybe a special little like logo or something. And then the like super high end, like a handful of like the super elite disc golf scene guys will have, and girls uh, will have their own line of discs. Yeah. That they help design with the companies that they're sponsored by. Yeah. And so at the start of the season, I have a couple disc golfers that I'm a big fan of. I'll usually buy a couple of their discs because it actually is like the th- those sales are what enables them to actually go out on tour. Because yeah. most disc golfers make enough to get by and, you know, support their family and stuff. But only a couple are driving nice cars. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody else has a Camry, right? <laughs> yeah. Pre- there's a lot of that. I mean, yeah. a lot of cohabitating on tour and stuff to reduce costs. So I do try to make a point of throwing a couple bucks in my favorite players' pockets by buying their discs in the preseason. And that was this time of year. I just made that purchase that I make at the start of every season. So yeah, fantastic. I'm really anxious to go out and throw. And I watched a lot of videos about my form and stuff. And I, I found a thing. I found I, I made a slight change to my th- practicing, my uh, driving form that I haven't been able to actually go out and implement with an actual disc in my hand. But I can already tell it just feels so much smoother. I'm really excited yeah. to just get out to like the park down the street and just throw like 30 discs in a row and just get a feel for it. We have a big city park that's very close to us and it has a big mm-hmm. disc golf course. And I always feel very sorry for anyone who is disc golfing in Oklahoma City because of our wind situation. I can't imagine that that is a very fulfilling hobby here. Oh my gosh. There are a couple places even out that way, like Emporia, Kansas is a really big disc golf town. Yeah, I could see that being another windy place. It is a notoriously windy place. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever come visit, you're going to have to, we're going to have to go out there and give it a shot because i'm very curious as to what your opinion would be that is something that i like to do when i travel yeah of course you know try out uh, all the disc golf courses yeah well when we were in vegas i was gonna but we ended up unable to get to a disc golf shop to buy like a used disc to be able to go and we didn't bring any yeah but i went and played when i was in hawaii i played when i was in scotland fantastic you know i've I, I like to bring, I have like a small travel bag of discs of like, I'll, I'll bring like three or four with me to a place. Yeah. You know, I was in Baltimore a couple months ago. We went and played. Then I've got like my big bag for like local stuff, which has like more discs than I'm ever going to throw at the course. But some are better. <laughs> some are better yeah. in wind. Some are better for weird angles and stuff. Like, uh-huh. like I, I justify each of their places in my bag, but I also just took out like six because I never throw them. So yeah. I do that a lot, too. Where I'll try to pare down and cycle through stuff, grab something I haven't thrown in a while off the storage rack. Bring at least one of the windy ones when you come here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> at least one. <laughs> oh, hey, speaking of discs, 
Our episode today opens up with yeah. a shot of Babylon 5, and we got some of those saucer disc kind of ships out front. Yeah, we've got various alien species protecting the station uh, yeah. at the start of Season 3, Episode 14, Ship of Tears. So yeah, we see the Babylon Treaty is in effect now, as the station defense is no longer just some Star Furies and a couple Mimbari cruisers. Yeah, I guess these saucers are the Vri. I had to Google this. Mm-hmm. But the the Vri must be one of the non-aligned worlds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So before this, we see a few, or after this rather, we see a few members of the senior staff watch ISN come back online. Yeah. They are initially hopeful, and that this is a sign that Earth might be returning to normalcy because free speech might be back. Yeah. No, Franklin is way too optimistic. He's kind of yeah. the Pollyanna leading the the optimism, and it's. Yeah. Too much, Not my man. <laughs> too much. Yeah, this is quickly broken as everyone sees that this isn't news. This is bullshit. And they turn it yeah. off. Just like everyone does in real life when they're presented with a news broadcast that gives them fake news. They just know it's bullshit and they just turn it off. No one buys that. <laughs> yeah. It's a completely believable scene that didn't make me upset about real life at all. <laughs> yeah, I think that we got to revisit that one in the reboot, right? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, this lady, she is just so peppy about her bullshit lines. Mm -hmm. And she has a super 90s haircut that I was just yeah. like, wow, this this is an interesting show we're watching. ISN is not the same. Oh, yeah. Well, they're just talking about the super popular martial law and decree. Yeah, and Everyone loves that. it. Yep. She may not have said super, but she definitely said popular <laughs> mm -hmm. in reference to martial law. <laughs> that is just wild. Just wild. Yep. Sheridan is out testing the new Star Furies that they got from one of the mm -hmm. ships that didn't make it outside the of the Church Battle Hill. of Babylon 5. Yeah. The Churchill, that's it. And while they're out there, we find out that these ones can go in atmosphere, which I suspect we're being told because it's going to be important later. Yes, it will be. <laughs> <laughs> Feels very important. It will be important that the same episode, something else that happens in this episode is very important for. Yeah. Yeah. But and I can confirm there... at this point, this was the episode I missed in my original viewing as like a young adult child ah. from the times I watched Babylon 5 growing up. This I never saw this one. That's crazy. There's a couple huge plot points in this episode that are so huge. important. <laughs> and it, it, you know, at the end, we get this cliffhanger that kicks off a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of that, most of the stuff that's super important is like followed up on in the next episode. There's a couple of plot points that are just left in this episode for next season. Mm -hmm. And I just had no idea what was going on at one point. Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> My condolences. It is what it is. Anyways, Sheridan's out getting his flight time and they get a distress signal. From Bester. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Sheridan recognizes the ship as a Black Omega ship. Yeah, he, he knows it's a Psychor. The big thing on the Star Fury. And he knows exactly how to deal with a Black Omega ship. You get out of its line of sight. <laughs> mm -hmm. If they can't see you, they can't scan you. He gets close enough to find out who it is. And it turns out it's our old pal Buster. <laughs> <laughs> Sheridan's like just give me one reason to blow you up please 
please yeah. give me a reason to blow you up. I'd really like to blow you up. Just, just, just say something a little hostile. Just please, anything. Yeah. <laughs> and Bester's all like, aren't you curious? And he's just like, damn it. Well, now I am. <laughs> right. So they bring him back to the station. And as they're escorting him back to the station, obviously they signal Babylon 5. Ivanova is freaking out, rightfully yeah. so. Yeah. And uh, she runs into Jakar after missing a meeting with him earlier. And he's tired of getting dodged and left out of the alliance that he knows is forming behind his back right now. Yeah, they just sort of put a pin in that. And it's been a pin. And it's not gone anywhere. Uh, we get Bester arriving on the station to some mm -hmm. armed guards. And at this point, I was wondering, like, shouldn't we be scrambling our Mimbari telepaths? Surely there are still <laughs> some around. Like, <laughs> You would think. But at least we got the SWAT team, I guess. That's the best we yeah. can do. Senior staff meets to go over Bester's arrival. Franklin brings up the good point. Like, last time he was here, we had, like, a ton of stuff we were hiding. The resistance, any plans for independence, the stuff with President Clark... Like, that's all done now. It's all out in the open. Like, who gives a fuck if he re scans us? Like, what's he going to find out? Nivana was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> we can still have other secrets, dude. <laughs> Garibaldi takes a moment to remind everyone that he's always just been in business for himself. And that him being there is not necessarily a sign of Earth Force, but also is not necessarily a welcome sign. All right. Sheridan asks Ivanova to be the first to see him, uh, since she will know if he's scans her she's yeah. hesitant but sheridan promises that if he finds out that she's late in telepath they will just lock him up and throw away the key so she reluctantly agrees yeah i mean he i hate that he asks her to do this but at the same time he has a great point like if he's out here you know we're independent and yeah. he's alone he came in a single star fury like yeah. what's he gonna do he can yep. have an we'll accident in his cell. I'm surprised she, he's even like, we'll just lock him up. It's all like, you're just going to lock him up. You're just going to shoot his ass because you really wanted to blow him up about 10 minutes ago. Right. <laughs> it's a euphemism. We'll just lock him up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Garibaldi style. Right. The commander goes to see Bester and he's like immediately the worst. Oh my God. Yes. Talking about like, oh, you've got your mother's eyes and stuff. So she just slaps him. And he moves on with why he's there. He knows that the shadows are controlling President Clark. And Bester's real up front here. He lays out his ambition. Eventually, the telepaths are going to run Earth. They're going to run humanity. But these shadows have other plans for the Teeps and for Psychor. And so, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. We need to work together to get rid of the shadows. Yeah, this is the first time I'd ever heard this saying. I, I don't know why I remember it so vividly, but I do. Maybe because it comes up again, I think, in the Ender's Game series, you know, the mm. book series. Yes. And uh, it really struck me that, you know, it came from Bester first in my mind. I know it's much older than that. But yeah, when he's giving her this speech here about, you know, we are the next phase of human evolution, I'm mm -hmm. just sitting there going, oh, he didn't read Dark Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> Bester needs to join our book club. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, in Dark Genesis, we learned that it was um, some creative evolution. It was influenced evolution. Well, and he would, he would probably actually be aware of this. 
You think from so? From the from the book. Yeah, because isn't he what's his name's kid? He is what's his name's kid, but I don't know. We're going to have to read the next book, I guess, to find out if he gets any Which, like hints about that. Yeah, that book club is in less than 10 episodes. We I got We do need to start reading that book. <laughs> need to start reading that book. I still need to finish the first one still. <laughs> <laughs> Get on it, Jafar. I will try. Anyways, after this, Delenn and Sheridan meet up and they own up to being shitty to Jakar. Yeah. Being shitty to all of Narn. They're facing the music that like they're going to yeah. have to tell him. If he really wants in on this, he's going to have to know the truth and that's going to suck and it's going to yep. be uncomfortable. So Delenn owns it. She's like, look, I was part of the Grey Council. This was also a Mimbari government decision. I'll talk to him. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't like, want to. <laughs> no. No, Sheridan didn't have the authority to act on behalf of Earth. You yeah, know, that's true. Delenn had the authority to act on behalf of Minbar. So. Yeah, it sucks. Bester reveals he knows of a weapons shipment meant for the shadows as a weapons components. A ton. Yeah. Yeah, we talk about weapons a lot. And we know in this point of the series, we've we've seen that. I can't remember what episode it was, but, you know. A human being merged with a shadow ship was mm-hmm. going to be a thing. Yes. So, I mean. Yeah, anything implied is made explicit soon enough. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Bester also reveals that it's possible for high-level telepaths to be able to find ships in hyperspace by listening to the voices of the people on the ship. What a wild idea, right? Yeah. I guess hyperspace amplifies the abilities i'm guessing it's just so quiet or the distance is different or all of that yeah i could see it being like a distance folded thing or something you know yeah but while they can do this the military has not been informed because psychor values telepath lives too highly to just put them on ships military ships to find people yeah yeah we don't want a psychop on every fucking heavy frigate Having to listen yeah. to some normies. Yeah. And he, he makes the it's the economy stupid argument that it takes a lot of work to breed one of us, but you guys breed like rabbits. So Yeah. Delenn starts meeting with Jakar here. I read an anecdote from JMS that he left absolutely no notes for Mira and Andreas for this. They didn't need him. No, they didn't. It's like, yeah. here's your lines. You guys understand the weight of everything that you're saying. Go act the hell out of it. Yeah, these are two people who understand how to have a difficult conversation and mm-hmm. how a difficult conversation goes. <laughs> yeah. So this starts, but before it gets really into it, we cut to Bester, Lanier, Sheridan, and Ivanova on a White Star. Yeah, it's real dangerous taking the enemy of your enemy on the White Star, but I guess yeah. you gotta. Those are still a secret, but we've also seen them out on patrol around Babylon 5, so yeah. maybe it's not so much of a secret anymore. Yeah, still, I don't know if I want a Psychop on there, but they probably yeah. have some Mimbari telepaths to keep him in line on that White Star. Probably. That's what I would hope. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, Bester sits in the chair. Fun little bit. <laughs> yeah, we all had a good laugh there. Even Owen was like, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Walter Koenig finally gets to sit in the captain's chair and then gets thrown out immediately. Get out of my chair. Deal hole. But he starts to sense the ship out there in hyperspace. He mm-hmm. he picks something up pretty quickly. Yeah. We see a bunch of the little fighters, but none of the big, scary shadow ships escorting this thing around. Back at the station, Delenn is breaking the bad news. 
she tells Jakar, you know, the, the Grey Council ordered me silent. I I tried, but, you know, as a result, the Centauri got shadow help and they destroyed your world. Yep. She makes the argument that this probably saved some Narn lives because the shadows were still cloaked. And so they mm-hmm. didn't scorch the, the whole planet. They didn't scorch the earth with this thing. Yeah. She uses the phrase millions instead of billions. Yeah. She says there's still billions of people alive on Narn, which seems, I don't know, it seems kind of hard to believe after the mass, the mass drivers. drivers and, yeah. Yeah. But you kind of expect this to go similar to how Jakar treated Veer when he tried to apologize for everything. Mm-hmm. When Jakar sliced his hand and the dripping dead, blood dead, was... Dead, dead, yeah. dead, yeah. But I believe when that happened, he hadn't yet been touched by the Vorlon, right? Yes. So now we have Jakar who's been touched by a Vorlon and he takes it much more gracefully. For sure. He even says that if he had found this out during the invasion, his anger would have led to him killing Delenn. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's not him anymore. And he recognizes that. He talks about his vision and Kasha's words, even though mm-hmm. he doesn't know they're Kasha's words, bringing right. to him that the sacrifice that was going to be required was actually speaking about the past and was not prophecy about the future necessarily. Yeah, it could be or both. Both, yeah. Yeah. He ends the conversation saying he doesn't forgive her, even though he understands. So, mm-hmm. But there's no violence. The White Star takes out the Shadow Fighters, and uh, they capture the freighter very quickly when the crab ship appears and then fucks off immediately. Yeah, so weird. It's just like <laughs> shimmers in. Oh shit, shimmers out. <laughs> yeah, the mothership showed up, but then she she left. She was not mm-hmm. interested in the transport anymore. And everyone notes this. We note that this should have been a firefight and it's not. What's the deal? Mm-hmm. So we go back to the station. Yep, and we find that the weapon components are actually cryogenically frozen humans with psychor iconography all over it. Yeah, they've got like wires in their heads. We found out that the alien that was piloting the transport, we don't know what it is. And yeah. he apparently killed himself rather than be captured. And with a ton of acid, apparently. Yeah. Just like, like I'm going to melt me. You will not be able to identify me. Yeah, he is unrecognizable, and uh, that seems pretty ominous in and of itself. Yeah, the cargo tubes are brought on board, and one is being slowly unthawed to determine what happened, and probably too soon, given Franklin's response, they wake up screaming. Oh my god, Franklin is such a dipshit for doing this. It's all right, I'm a doctor. Like, (laughs) waking this telepath up without another telepath present. Because we've seen like telepaths have freakouts on this show before, mm-hmm. you know, mind the... quakes. They're such a thing in the lore. There's a name for them. Yeah, I mean, I know we don't super trust Bester. Maybe we find Lita, or get some of the Minbari. Yeah, but it... Lita is I... off station for this. Yeah, um, yeah. because she has to be off station next episode as well. Ah. Uh... Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But so. I mean, I know we don't super trust Bester, but at this point, I would almost rather Bester be there. Yeah. At least if I'm Franklin. 
Mm-hmm. They take the bracelet to Bester, who tells a bit of backstory before identifying who this is and then insisting to see her. The sleeping teep has terrible nightmares. Then we cut back to the reality and Medlab is under lockdown as this teep has begun to integrate themselves with the technology around them. She's gone full Borg. It's crazy. Just, I don't know if anyone else is an IT nerd in here. There's a lot of just like random cables and cords and stuff. But right by her head is what would be, it's they're not used now, but is the old like hard drive and disk drive power connector. The like little uh, four pin white thing. I and I just saw yeah. that and I'm all like, I know that's not Molex. I can't remember the name of it, but I was just like, I know that cord. Do we have any IT nerds listening to our Babylon 5 podcast? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they did a pretty good job for what they had at the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, the shots here are all very dynamic. It felt a lot like aliens to me. Yeah, for real. All, all foggy and yeah. Yeah, it was good. So she's freaking out. She recognizes Bester and then shoots some lightning. And then Garibaldi pieces together that she's instinctively attacking the Psycor emblem. Yeah, because she seemed to talk friendly to Bester. Like, she mm-hmm. seemed fond or at least, you know, familiar and not terrified of Bester. Yeah, but something else Al. freaked her out. Yeah. She called him Al. Yeah. Yeah. Franklin is able to drug her as she shares her pain and visions with Bester. And we learn exactly why the telepaths are considered weapons components. They are the shadow ship pilots. Yeah. So back in Sheridan's office. Yes. We've given Bester a cup of hot cocoa in this wild looking coffee cup. It's not even the standard future coffee cup. Yeah. You know the one. Oh, the, the, metal, the stainless steel one with the handle. Yeah. With the, the flared base at the bottom. Yeah. That's oh, the, the Rectagino cups? Yeah, the standard future cup. <laughs> We've got one in the house, actually. <laughs> This one is even more elaborate than that. I I laughed at this coffee cup, but you know we got him some hot cocoa because he's obviously been rattled by whatever's happened. Yeah, Bester needs his hot cocoa. Yeah, and he bears his soul, and apparently he he's been in love with this woman. She's supposedly pregnant with his child, which I feel like Franklin should have noticed in his like examination. <laughs> um, I. I was under the assumption that she was no longer pregnant. Yeah. I mean, Bester talks about it in the present tense. Like, she yeah. is pregnant. Well, she's only been missing for four weeks. Yeah. We, we do get a little bit of a timestamp on it. But given everything that she was through in those four weeks. Right. Can you cryo-suspend a pregnancy? Like, I don't know. I don't, if you're those weird aliens and or the shadows, I don't think you try. Yeah, right. That's not what they need her for, right? So, yeah, I I think Bester might be in for a disappointment here. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they've stumbled onto the telepath pilots that were taken. Mm-hmm. Bester tells us that this lady was a blip, right? Mm-hmm. That's his word for a telepath that tried to escape. Mm-hmm. Someone who went on the run. Refused yeah. the meds, refused to join the Corps. Right. And he met her, I think, when she was in a re-education camp? Yes, they say that. The one on Mars that Garibaldi totally doesn't know exists. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So the implication here, I guess, is that Psychor is not sending, you know, its loyal telepaths. They're sending the expendable ones, the ones that mm-hmm. didn't want to be in Psychor. And so we're just going to go ahead and send them off to yep. become ships. Someone did. Yeah. Buster didn't like that. No, he is not happy. He states that their war against the shadows is now his war against the shadows. Yeah. I think it's not just this woman, but the idea that, you know, any of his superiorly evolved brethren Mm -hmm. would be subjected to this, even if they didn't want to join the core, as long as they're, you know, here, you know, they, they will still rule the earth. So, yeah. As long as they're here, we can fix them, right? We can make them love Psychor. We can make them love their fellow telepaths. Yeah, they've they've been brainwashed of some kind. How hard can it be to do it twice now, right? Right, right. But these shadow aliens taking them away to become weapons components mm, is no boy, beneath no. beneath their dignity. Yeah. Move over to Delenn and Shakar as they head to the War Council. And we get the new war room set. We must have just finished this set, right? They did. Yes. This is the first episode it's in. Does it feel familiar to you? Oh, is, you know, I don't know. This is actually a Should redress it? of the casino. Oh, we fancied up the casino, huh? Yep. When you like look at it now and you see the like angle that they come in and there's like that double stairwell when they come in, you'll Okay. You'll feel the casino vibes. Like it has some of the same spots. Like some of the structure of it is the same as the casino room. And you'll ref- like, especially think back to the big brawl that happened in this room uh, mm-hmm. in Gropos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'll like instantly it'll all start to click together for you. You'll see the whole room. Well, it is a very spacious room when they're walking mm-hmm. in. And they really highlight that about how yeah. much space is in there. And so that makes sense. That's probably the most spacious set we've had has been the casino set. Yeah, it's one of the biggest and they were they're done with it. You know, they're not we're not having fun times with Lando and Lanier in the casino anymore. Yeah. So uh Garibaldi goes to Jakar's book of Jaquan. Yeah. And he's like he like he wakes up in the middle of the night or something, he's like, There's this passage, right? He like he remembers a thing and he has to find it and he finds something about the mind walkers. So he gets the war council together to reveal his findings. The telepaths are the key to driving off the shadows. Yeah. This is the do not thump the book of Jaquan moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure that uh, Garibaldi stumped on his share of Bibles, ironically, not so much mm-hmm. like seriously. You know, yeah. It's not a Bible thumper, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's one little bit here, and then which is the uh, shadows attack precarious space openly, thus beginning the Great War. Yeah. And that's the episode. Why do you think that they attack the Brakiri openly now? I think that they can't, they don't feel they can wait anymore because <laughs> of the telepaths. It's that shadow ship felt mm-hmm. bester. It was all like, oh, fuck. They, uh, they yeah. figured it out. We've fought these things three times now, and they've never had a telepath like this on board. And now uh-huh. now we've got a problem. And they stole our ship of modified yeah. telepaths. Yeah, the hundred pilots. A hundred crab less crab ships running around that yeah. might have been okay. that might have been able to handle the telepathic assault. Because that's what they think they want the telepaths for. 
Mm-hmm. Basically, we've adapted this technology that was used against us mm-hmm. to help defend ourselves. Yep. Now, we know that telepaths can mess with the connection between a shadow ship and its pilot. And this one just fucks off when it senses Bester, who is at P-12. Pretty strong, yeah. I read a very interesting theory about the first time a white star fights a shadow ship, which is Ivanova was on the ship, right? Oh, she was. And they weren't able to hit the ship. They fired a bunch at it, but they never hit the white star. Hmm. In their next encounter, Ivanova not on the ship, they were able to hit the white star. So the fan theory Um. is that her latent telepathy was just enough to confuse the pilot and kind of make the ship very hard to hit for them. That is an interesting theory because we don't know if Bester actually actively did anything to that shadow ship. Mm-hmm. It it seemed like if he if he was doing something that the story would have told us, like he would have said, yeah. I did something. He didn't indicate anything. Because at the end, he's not really holding back. From no. the Babylon Five command staff anymore. He's he wants the shadows gone out of his telepaths. Yeah, and uh, if he had done something, he probably would have said so. He, he he's not a modest man, our no. Bester. No, if <laughs> if the senior staff owed their lives to him, he would make sure they knew it. Right. So if just the presence of the telepath is enough, and just mm-hmm. even a not fully developed telepath like Ivanova was able to disrupt the shadows in some way. That's a big thing. That's big. Yeah. So JMS actually spoke on this and was like, uh, quit incidents, not really what I was going for. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but it does check out, but the I think he mostly was saying this so that there was not any like, well, Ivanova means they can't hit the White Star like the telepath. Having a telepath on a ship means it's invincible mm-hmm. because that removes all the stakes. <laughs> It does, yeah, yeah. So I feel like that's the reason why, and it kind of checks out. But also, if the the shadow ship was unaware, it kind of it fits nice, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a nice like idea, mm-hmm. even if it is just coincidence. All right, Laura. On a scale of Babylon's one to five, how'd you feel about this episode? Man, I I have no complaints about this episode. I have nothing that I would change. I know I just gave a really silly episode of Babylon 5, but Mm -hmm. I kind of think this is another five for me. This is a really good app. Yeah. I do feel like it felt rushed. Not not, like the pacing, not the production. Felt very like, here's the thing, 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 credits. Yeah. To me. And when I see an episode like that, especially on a show that is capable of slowing down and doing it well, like this show has shown, it makes me kind of wish this was a two-parter. Yeah. Well, and it it feels like we're leaving it on a cliffhanger, so why not stretch that a little differently, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we could, like, get rid of, I don't know, Exogenesis and had a two-parter here instead. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd like this more. Yeah. But it's a great app. I put it at a four out of five. Yeah. I, w- I wondered when this episode ended, because I don't really remember getting more than like one Bester episode at a time, mm-hmm. but you almost feel like 
he's not left yet. Like he should be in the next episode, mm. but I haven't watched the next episode yet. So I'm he's like, not. I don't, I don't think he is. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. That's, that's one of those things that feels a little rushed. We get a dramatic statement from Bester, but we don't get a dramatic exit from Bester. Yeah. He just kind of leaves quickly and on his own terms. Yeah. But he's not in the next episode, but next episode is season three, episode 15 interludes and examinations. The shadows punish Londo. Mm. Franklin's drug dependence affects his job performance. The death of an ally marks Sheridan's momentary victory over the shadows. Whoa, that sounds like another a lot of things episode. It is. It is maybe the most important episode of season three in terms of story. Oh boy. On the list for sure. It's a good one. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them, so... It's one of those JMS, like, innocuous title, false sense of security. Uh Uh-huh. But we'll talk about that more next week. Until then, we'd like to thank Jeremy Siegel. Thank you for our lovely theme music, Jeremy. You can find more of Jeremy's work at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com. And also thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast artwork. Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks to our editor, Aaron, for enabling our podcast to be listened uh we really appreciate it and all the work you put in and thank you to you the listener for being here if you want to hang out with us you can come join the discord we have a discord group you can get that by emailing who are you b5 at gmail.com mm-hmm. or on the facebook where we'll answer you quickly and the twitter which i check once a week just to see if someone's lit the league of non-aligned podcast signal <laughs> yeah <laughs> We'll answer you eventually on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good week, Internet. Bye. Bye.